welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Uh, like Molly said, my name is Jenna. I have been helping with our student ministries here. We started in February doing regular programming. So that's been very excited. One of the, and this is Marty, he's one of our leaders. Um, one of the things we were doing just teaching-wise for our students this past, um, I guess, end of school year, was we were having each of our leaders tell like their stories. So, um, but there was a little catch, and I made them do it according to when they were a teenager. <laughs> so, what did you think about? What kinds of things were cool? What was embarrassing? <laughs> Everything was embarrassing for me. Um, <laughs> And so Marty, when he shared his story, one of the things that came out is he was diagnosed with epilepsy when he was seven. And so he shared with us kind of how that formed and shaped him. Um, And out of that has come this opportunity. Him and friends and family participate in the stroll for epilepsy every year. So I volunteered our students to kind of lead this for the church, and we are opening it up to everybody to um, see if you want to get involved. So that being said, Marty, what is epilepsy? <laughs> okay, so the way your brain works is it has elect- electricity basically going through your neurons and everything. A person with epilepsy, uh, it misfires basically. And when you have a seizure, which is what epilepsy, it's a seizure disorder, um, when, you're, when the electricity misfires, it um, you have a seizure, and it uh, can be shown in a few different ways. Um, and I've had a lot of different kinds of seizures. Um, when I was younger, I had something that ended up looking uh, kind of like where you kind of zone out and just kind of stare. Um, I uh, so when someone asks, like, you know, what do you have a staring problem? Yes, yes, yeah. I, I do. <laughs> uh, but um, it, uh, over the course of my life, it kind of evolved into something a little uh, more intense. It either goes one of two ways. You can either grow out of it and not have it anymore, or you just can usually get worse, and that's kind of what happened with me. And I got things where... If you have heard of a seizure. You've probably heard of this kind where you convulse throughout your whole body and um, black out, and that's kind of what happens with me. And I haven't had a seizure in, like, four years because I'm controlled with medication and uh, surgery that I had. Um, but that's what, what epilepsy is. Thank you. So how has it affected your life? Uh, it has affected me in a, quite a few ways. Um, but physically, I, uh, it was funny because when you asked me to talk about my story in youth group from the point of view of when I was growing up, (laughs) I talked to you about it and I was like, I don't know if I can do this because, because of that year of seizures, I had a lot and I ended up with some brain damage that made me lose a majority of my memories from when I was in high school and before. And so, talking about what my life was growing up, it was like, I can tell you what people have told me, but (laughs) 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 
not much more than that. So um, other than that, it would probably be, I kind of also have like a ADD kind of thing that had happened because of that brain damage. Um, it's really scary when you wake up in an ambulance or something like that um, and your body aches because of the muscle, muscle tension um, from the seizures. Uh, it Mentally, uh, it's, it, it's draining. Um, it, it has been really draining on my body and I saw a therapist for a while that because um, I was going through just some really struggles. Um, um, but over the course of uh, the last few years, through the support of my friends and family, I've kind of got through that. And um, I uh, had a surgery this last year that has kind of also helped me to control it completely. And I, um, you've probably noticed as I'm talking that it kind of sounds like I'm getting choked up and the frog in my throat, but that's not what it is. It's, I actually have a device that sends electricity up and it goes next to my vocal cords, so it's um, kind of like a robot, I guess, but <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, yeah, I have a bad, kind of pacemaker kind of deal for my brain, but um, I have that, so it's kind of, um, I also, I used to think of it almost like a curse kind of thing growing up, and I didn't want to let anybody in, like be vulnerable at all, um, and didn't want to let anyone see who I really was, like that part of me. And uh, so it kind of affected relationships. And now um, I, I'm a teacher, a special ed teacher, whoever, for people who don't know me. Um, but um, now it's like when I teach my students, I get a better sense for how these people are feeling because I've, I've been there and I have I know what it's like to be feel different and uh, have this part of you that you don't want people to see and especially growing up um, it's tough so um yeah that's kind of how it affected me I guess yeah thank you so how can we get involved and help uh, the stroll for epilepsy is something that the Minnesota Epilepsy Foundation puts on every year and they do things that are incredible, and um, they put on they, the money that is raised um, through programs like the Stroll for Epilepsy. Um, go and for programs that support individuals with epilepsy, and there's like a camp for kids with epilepsy uh, that have medical stuff put in place so that these kids who normally couldn't do that kind of stuff are able to do that. Um, there's seizure education programs for people to, so that you know what you can and can't do for people with seizures because there's a lot of rumors out there of what you, you should be doing for people that you actually shouldn't do because it can really seriously hurt someone. Um, there's also uh, things that have personally really helped me out a lot. And when I had my surgery done, um, the insurance company said they were going to cover it, and then I had the surgery done, and then they said they weren't going to cover it. So I had like a $25,000 bill, and all of a sudden it was miraculously taken care of by the Epilepsy Foundation. So I kind of owe them a lot there. So they really, it was a lifesaver. Um, so that is kind of personally how they've helped me out. Um, 
So the stroll for epilepsy, how you can help, is there are three different ways. We are going to be selling t-shirts out front that if you would like to join in the stroll for epilepsy, the youth group will be tie-dyed in them for you. Uh, you can buy them for $12. Uh, the design on it is designed by our very own Jane Jackson. Oh! So, um... She is a gifted girl, let me tell you. It is. That's super it's a cool. Very cool design. It's. I'll have it out there so you can check it out. Um, the second way that you can do it is you can just donate um, any any donations you give. Uh, you can give it right here. I'm gonna have um, me and Christy are gonna be out front, and we can uh, take donations if you'd like to. You can put uh, make checks out to uh, the Minnesota Epilepsy Foundation. Um, and so. You can do that, or if you want to donate on online, there's going to be a link on the website, right? And um, so that is going to, uh, you can go through the um, any one of our um, profiles on this website to go and donate through that via credit card or PayPal. And um, doing that can go towards the team goal of $1,000 raised. Um, Otherwise, if you'd like to get more involved, you can come up with your own account on, and link it to our group, and uh, then you can join us on August 7th at the Stroll for Epilepsy. So, and there will be 5 o'clock. Our team will have a potluck together, and then at 6.30, is that Lake Phelan in St. Paul? And 5 o'clock will be the potluck together, and then at 6.30, we will have the stroll. So... So there are little half sheets or should be on your tables that have detailed instructions that will also be on the website if that's something you want to do. If they're not there, I'm guessing people took them from the last service. Yeah. If you have questions, <laughs> <laughs> you can ask. <laughs> yeah. We'll be out there after the service. Um, and if you order a t-shirt and just don't want to participate in the stroll, um, they'll be available August 3rd here. So I think that's all. Oh, did anyone have any questions? If you think of questions, we can I'll ask them right after. Yeah. Um, that's all. So Free and Josh want to come back up. We'll continue in worship. Hi, Jen. Hi, you're in the spitting row. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing? Good. Well, today is a big day because this is the final sermon in the sermon series, 2 Corinthians. It's kind of a big deal. We've been doing this since January, I think. So I know for myself, this has kind of been like a, an awesome series. <laughs> I've really enjoyed the teaching that's come out of it, what I've learned, how I've grown and changed, I think, as a person. So to be able to close it is kind of a big deal. <laughs> so... <laughs> I feel very honored to do that. That being said, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to 2 Corinthians 13, and we will be in verse 11, just like the very end. And if you're able, go ahead and stand for the reading of the word. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. 
Greet one another with a holy kiss. All God's people here send their greetings. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let's pray. Lord, you know how we come to you today. And I ask that your spirit would speak to those places in us. I ask that we would be present to you in new ways and in old ways, that you would speak words of life to our tired hearts, encouragement to the hard parts in life. Help us to be present. In your name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. So these are the final words Paul has chosen to written to the Corinthians. I think there is one thing that is essential in order to kind of feel the weight of these words to the Corinthians, and that is to remember the Corinthians. They are, in some respects, Paul's problem child. I'm sure you remember from everything that we've talked about, there are some serious issues going on sometimes. <laughs> but I decided to make a list for you. Um, this is from First and Second Corinthians, um, and these are some of the issues that Paul has addressed in his letters to the Corinthians. Division over leadership, incest, lawsuits within the community, sexual immorality, social hierarchies in which inequalities are evident and discrimination is happening among community members, idolatry, theological issues regarding resurrection, and the Corinthians being swayed in what the nature of God is and accepting false gospels, or in other words, news that's not actually good news, wasn't freedom. Exploitation from people who they are accepting is authoritative. It is a hot mess. That is honestly, most of that's from 1 Corinthians. <laughs> and in regards to Paul and the Corinthians, this whole series we've talked about, this relational struggle and strife that has existed. Right before this, Paul is needing to defend his ministry and essentially his identity to the Corinthians. There's just gross stuff going on. Talk about a family holiday. There's a lot in here. And I say all of that because I want us to really be aware of the real issues that are in mind as we encounter this passage. I think, and I, I speak for myself, but I hope I'm not alone in this. Sometimes when I read the Bible, I tend to romanticize the scriptures and the early church a little bit. Um, I don't know if it's because of the proximity to Jesus or the sense that the Holy Spirit was really doing like tangible things, but I do that. And the reality is, is that it's still messy even in here. How many times have you heard somebody say, we just want to be an Acts 2 community? Anyone? where everybody's just sharing and we're praying together. <laughs> and, and I don't, well, I do mean to be sarcastic, <laughs> but I don't mean to act like that is not a noble and beautiful vision and something that is worth celebrating when that actually happens. But I think when we do that and we kind of put these beautiful visions up here, it ignores the reality. And so when conflict actually happens in a community, it's seen as like, antithetical to what the actual vision was. 
so things fall apart a little bit. People leave, people get hurt. We just see that the sharing isn't happening. What I'm trying to say is that good vision, good intentions alone do not lead to healthy communities. So I think it's important that we realize kind of the weight of Paul's words and visions in light of the dysfunction and relational strain that's happening between the Corinthians and Paul. He says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Brothers and sisters, he calls them family. These words acknowledge and speak directly to the relational strain and is a statement on how Paul sees them. Family, you are still my family. Strive for full restoration. The NESB says, be made complete. The NLT translation says, grow to maturity. Paul acknowledges the lack of maturity within the community and he wishes growth to it. Encourage or comfort one another. Some say he's alluding to the beginning of the letter when Paul was talking about comfort. And so in chapter 1, remember, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. He's painting this picture for them. Be of one mind. Live in peace. He's addressing the conflict and the trauma that has happened in their community. It is as if Paul is using these five things to dream of what this community and what this group of people could look like. He's casting a vision for them, defining for them the people that he wants them to be, even in the midst of the chaos in the midst of the problems. These are the people I desire you to be with every fiber of who I am. It is specific to the community. It is not a template. It is not a five-step plan to a thriving church. It engages the real issues. And Paul knows the issues because he's in it. <laughs> he's in the community. And the God of love and peace will be with you. God of love. Did you know that this is the only place in the entire New Testament that uses that phrase, God of love? It's the only place. You hear God of peace a lot, you hear love of God, but this is the only place that it is phrased as God of love. It is as if to say, remember, Corinth, that the very reason for your existence you're a community for God and of God. This God is a God of love and peace. And he will be doing that work of the vision and the dream in you. As we continue in the passage, this concept and reminder of who God is even more strongly stated in the final words, the very last sentence of the letter. It is the taste that would be left in their mouths. And I think... It's Paul's longing for this to be the pulse and the ethos, if you will, of the Corinthians. 
May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This is one of the most famous sayings in the Christian faith. I did not know that, but I read it, <laughs> so it's true. <laughs> Catholic Mass says it every single time they meet. And in a sense, this phrase encompasses the life of a Christian. We are born in grace as we encounter the love of God. We are empowered by and in fellowship with the Holy Spirit and other people. So when you hear this phrase, grace of Jesus, love of God, fellowship of the Holy Spirit, what's kind of the first thing maybe your brain goes to? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Karen. <laughs> the Trinity. That was great, though. <laughs> and also with you, amen. <laughs> the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the nature of God. And what's important to note here is that Paul is not actually talking about the Trinity in the sense of, like, how we might hear it, like doctrine, I heard that. <laughs> Doctrinal statement of who God is, the complicated and technical language of the Trinity that makes other religions question if Christianity is actually monotheistic. He's not talking about it in that sense for one main reason. It did not exist. The doctrine of the Trinity was not established until the 4th century. This was written in the 1st. So what is it then? I think it's Paul hoping for this to be a reality. He's talking about grace, and he's talking about love, and he's talking about fellowship, and he talks about these things in relation to God. So in a sense, he is addressing the nature of God, but I think he's doing it in a relational sense. And I say all of that because I think when sometimes when we hear things in the text that trigger familiar things, we tend to put it on the text when it might not actually be there. So what I mean by relational is that he is reminding the Corinthians of the reality of God and how to relate to God and one another. In relation to what he just laid out as the vision, those five things, I think he is giving them an enormous tool, a foundation for this dream and vision to become reality. He is reminding them about God. So I'll break it down. Grace of Jesus. As a Christian, meaning that you have received this grace of God in the person of Jesus, the very reason we are who we are in our Christian identity is because what we hold to be true is that the living God came down to us in the physical presence of Jesus, graced us with his physical presence. So when Paul talks about this grace of Jesus, he's emphasizing a few things. First, what God does in and through us. We see an example of this in chapter 8, when he's talking about the church in Macedonia, when the Spirit stirred everyone to give beyond their means. So we talked about this when we were in the generosity part of our series. What grace is referring to here is the totally generous 
and self-giving love of God that is not only a part of God, but it is active and moving in the people of God. So if this is just a statement about God, why doesn't Paul just say the grace of God? Why is he referring specifically to the grace of Jesus? In that same section, 2 Corinthians 8, he defines the grace of Jesus. He says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through you, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Jesus is the person the generous and self-giving God became. Jesus fully embodies the grace of God as the invisible God became visible. So of course he says the grace of Jesus. N.T. Wright says it like this. I love this. In Jesus, grace became human because that is what grace needed to do, to be fully itself, to give itself for the world. Paul, in this phrase alone, creates an image of a God who knows no limits when it comes to creation. And the love of God. When Paul refers to the love of God, he is not saying that love is simply an aspect of this God. He is saying that it is the very heart and essence of who God is. 1 John, God is love. In this culture, it was the Jewish people and consequently the Christians who declared that the one true God, the creator God, is a God of love. And that stands out in the ancient world. The surrounding pagan world did not believe that to the extent that the Christians and Jews did. In the plethora of gods that surrounded the pagan culture, there was constant anxiety and fear as part of the gods were that they were unpredictable, spiteful, needing to be appeased. That's not to say that everything they believed about the gods were negative, but there was an aspect of not knowing what you're going to get. If you do something wrong, you're going to get retaliated. That's why suffering in the ancient Near East culture was problematic and why Paul in 2 Corinthians over and over and over again defends his suffering to the Corinthians. It's not because he did something wrong. It's not because of sin. He's telling them who God is. It is true that when we look at the world as it is, in my experience at least, it is not hard to question if the one God that made the world is loving. I don't know if anybody else in this room has ever thought that before, but I have. Look at the tragedy that blemishes our existence. We don't have to look very far to find it. But what Judaism clung to is hope, and what Christianity announced as fulfilled at last in Jesus was that the one God who made the world was indeed a totally loving God by acting in the world in Jesus, to put everything right, at last, at enormous cost to self. And the hope is that as we gaze upon this loving God and learn to trust and love him in return, we slowly and tentatively or dramatically and immediately, maybe a little bit of both depending on the day, 
come to know that we are actually loved with an everlasting love. This is what Paul means by love. God is love. So those of us who are grasped by this love and grace and now have it running through our veins are part of a family, which ideally the world has never seen before. It is not a family based on ethnic or physical descent. It's anyone and everyone. So that holy kiss that I glossed over before that y'all thought I was uncomfortable with, it's actually a sign of mutual fellowship among persons of mixed social background, nationality, race, gender, who are joined together as a new family in Christ. It's a token of reconciliation. And in Corinth, there was no shortage of diverse social background and economic statuses. That concept is as challenging as it was in the ancient world as it is today. Because what about the reality of putting all that together in one room? So we share this common life. We who have been graced by the love of God and Jesus. Koinonia, or what is translated here as fellowship, can also be translated partnership, participation, sharing, communion. As we know from the text, this fellowship has been very hard and under enormous strain as Paul and the Corinthians have struggled with their relationship. But he believes that the Spirit is working in his life and that the Spirit is working in their life. So they have to hash it out for that partnership to be in its full expression, mutual. And he wishes that for them. So these three things that Paul is attributing to God, the grace of Jesus, which means the generosity that knows no limits, the love of God, which is the very essence of God and encompasses this extreme cost of self so that others may know it, and fellowship of the Holy Spirit is participation and sharing together as we receive this reality. He closes with this. And why is it so significant? I have an opinion about this. I don't know if what Paul actually meant to be heard from his words is this, but this is what I imagine. I think your image of God, how you see God, what you attribute to God, determines how you live and interact with others. Whether it is vocalized or not, how you behave in the world in some sense is a reflection of how you see God. If I think God is apathetic to what we do think or say, I will never address what's going on in someone else's life. If I don't believe God exists, that's going to inform how I see the world, and that's not to minimize those belief systems. People believe what they believe for a reason. It is simply to say that it affects us. An extreme example of this is the Westboro Baptist clan. Do you guys know who that is? It's a church, and I, I literally think it's an entire family that's the congregation, and they are the ones that you see in the media picketing the funerals of soldiers and reminding everybody who exactly it is that God hates, using very vulgar and hateful language. In their actions and their words, they believe that God is first and foremost concerned with judgment and retribution. God is a vengeful God. They highly value what they view as justice 
and the way they behave and act in the world, and I would imagine with each other reflects it. You can see who their God is. And so I think it is quite amazing that Paul ends his letter with this image of God, of grace and love and fellowship, in hopes that this image might form and inform how the Corinthians would be with one another. It is as if to say that in order for his vision and dream for the Corinthians to, be, to come to fruition, they must fully know and receive who this God is in order for any of it to happen. The reality is, is that you cannot give what you have not received. If you don't know that you are loved to the core of you, you will not be able to love anybody else like that. What would it look like for a community of people to actually know that grace and love and fellowship as the first and foremost parts of God, and out of that comes everything else? What would it look like? What would it look like for people to actually be an outpouring of who God is, even in the midst of our crap? What if awakened believe this to be true? What if we collectively and individually asked God to reveal himself as this, to give of grace and love and fellowship so deeply that we might be able to give it to one another as individuals and as a community to receive this grace and love fully and totally without restriction of this self-giving God that it spills over to everyone around us. This is the pattern of the text. You deeply receive so that you can deeply give. And the source is never an issue when it is God that is feeding it. What would it look like for a community to come around Marty? Marty has served for years in the kids' community, an area of Awaken that always needs more people. In addition to that, he just started volunteering with our students this year. On top of being a teacher and working with difficult kids, he gives selflessly to this place without hesitation and without restriction. So what would it look like for us to support him? And I don't mean to say this in a manipulative way, and I recognize it's kind of a shameless plug. <laughs> I fully recognize and acknowledge that there are times when we need to be on the receiving end, when there is nothing to give. All I am saying is that pay attention and be people of action when you are able to give. We are all very familiar with burnout, especially in church. But it is true that for people to receive, others must give. So give. We are in a very real time of transition in the life of our churches. Um, those of you who I think are involved know that we have had changes in our leadership and um, that can be an anxious time. For those of you visiting, welcome to the fam. Um, and remember what Paul does in his dream for the Corinthians. His dream was rooted in reality. And then he blessed them with telling them who God is again. So awaken. Don't forget who God is. And don't forget what God can do even in the midst of messy things. 
I am excited for the future of this place. There are good things. For this next part, I would like to acknowledge that everyone in this room comes to today with varying degrees of commitment to awaken. Some of you might be Sunday morning people. Some of you might volunteer. Some of you might give financially. Some of you might be visiting and you came on the right day. <laughs> and before we transition, I would just like to say that whatever you bring in your relation to that, that's enough. There are pieces of paper on your table, and I would invite you, if not, look at a different one. I would invite you to take an opportunity to write a vision or dream that you might have for Awaken, Paul style. Bree and Josh will come up and play just some quiet music in the background here. We'll have a couple minutes to write everything out and to dream and envision what we could be together. Um, and then when the final song starts, you'll know because they're going to start singing. Okay. <laughs> um, during that time, this is from the first service, feel free to just tape your vision up there. I will read you my letter. To the Church of God in Lilydale, with the support and love from all of the people of God from ages past, my friends at Awaken, grace and peace to you. May you continue to be a community that is safe and welcoming to all. May you, be, may you be a community that stands in transition. May this transition cultivate life and growth in you that nothing but transition can do. May you learn to trust God in one another. May relationships grow stronger. May you be gracious with one another in your faults and mistakes. May you become an even stronger presence than you are already in your community. My hope is that you are known for how you care and love and remember. May you be opened wide to receive the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, so that you may image that truth to all who encounter you. Father, it is relieving to know that you are a God who is fully love and fully grace, and you want us to participate in that. I ask that those of us who might not know that grace and love, that we would be open wide to receive everything that you are, that you would bind us together in that that we would know what it is to actually feel loved by another person. That has to come from you, and so we ask you to do that. In the strong name of Jesus, amen. Stand as we would receive the benediction. This benediction <laughs> goes back to my college days. <laughs> at North Park University. Anyone? No one. <laughs> what we used to do, and I'm not going to make you do this, but we would all hold hands, and we would read this to one another, and I would like to read it over you.
You are God's servants, gifted with dreams and visions. Upon you rests the grace of God like flames of fire. Love and serve the Lord in the strength of the Spirit. May the deep peace of Christ be with you. The strong arms of God sustain you. And the power of the Holy Spirit strengthen you in every way. Amen. Go in peace. Find us online at www.awakeningcommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awakening Community or on Twitter at Awakening Community. See you next time.